So last summer, this board uh, decided to do a phase approach going Broward Commuter Rail South, as well as to continue with the consensus building with the city of Fort Lauderdale on how to cross the new river. Uh, and we agreed to do a joint study. The joint study was, was the scope of services was agreed to, uh, was developed and agreed to by both the county and the city, the county and the city. Uh, we used the contract that the city had with the MPO, um, used one of the MPO consultants. The county and the city participated in the selection process, the negotiation process, and uh, the White House group was the consultant that was used, and they've done a, a, a joint study. And we're going to hear today from Todd Brower, the uh, president and COO of White House Group, who's going to walk us through, like I said, a short presentation on on the new river crossing alternatives. I just want to appreciate uh, FDOT being here today, Phil. Thank you for being here, along with Vince and the team. So I know you've been working very, very hard. And, and Amanda Chastain from the MPO as well. Okay, there's Amanda. There she is. Okay, thank Greg you. Greg Stewart was out of town. He couldn't make it. And, and Corey Cuff. I like Amanda better. Corey Cuff uh, wanted to be here, but she's being inducted into our high school hall of fame, so she could not be she could not be here. But she uh, sends her regrets. Okay, thank you. Go ahead, Todd. Wonderful. Well, as uh, Kevin had said, essentially the idea of this presentation is to give you the highlights, is to present the results of the study that we've done, and this was a collaborative effort. This was done with the city of Fort Lauderdale as well as Broward County. All of their staff was involved at different places. I'm going to actually go a little bit about how the project was managed a little later on in the process. But I want to start with how I'm going to present this story. And how I'm going to present this story is in a way that we actually did, did the work itself. So we had seven tasks that we looked at, but we had a cascading, because in some cases, one task would help inform the other. However, there were some tasks that we were able to do concurrently. So we were able to look at NEPA scheduling at the same time that we started the cost estimates. So in many cases, we were going as quickly as we possibly could so we could meet this schedule. So I know the initial schedule was six months. We did this in five months. So we were able to meet that schedule to get uh, these answers to you as quickly as possible because it was important for us to make sure that you had the information to make decisions relative to this process. So with that, a little context, although Kevin's actually filled in most of this, uh, as Kevin had said, this has been studied for some time. In fact, the last programmatic uh, EIS or environmental impact statement that was done by FDOT was done in 2008 by Scott Seberger. Uh, that was presented looking at a lot of the different impacts and starting to really gather that information together. So you had a really nice foundation that you could work off of. This is obviously within your Primo plan as looking at as proposed to a continuation of what you have going on in the South, uh, which is already in the Small Starts uh, program development. Uh, but the big crux is, how do you cross the river? That becomes the big bottleneck and the big question that we all ask ourselves is, how do we get past that challenge? So our scope was to look at the four alternatives that was developed by uh, DOT, by the Florida Department of Transportation. Now they had developed four alternatives of how to cross the new river to enable commuter rail to occur through, uh, after 2019, there was a feasibility study that was completed, and they did a series of workshops to develop these four alternatives that we ended up looking at. We had seven tasks, which were to start with examining all of the information that's been done, engaging the rail operators and the owners of the asset itself, estimating uh, the capital costs, so how much would it cost, re-examining that. Uh, we also added, though, doing the operation and maintenance, so it's not just the cost of building it, but then what would you be on the hook for, essentially, uh, as time progressed? Then how would you fund it? What is some money available to make sure that that could happen, that could help the county move that forward as, long, as well as with the city? 
And then uh, how does that impact any environmental reviews or the NEPA process? All of that then comes together with why we're sitting here now is to give you those results. So I wanted to very quickly just go over the alternatives. There were four of them, three are bridge, two are bascule, one is a fixed span, and then there's also a tunnel. Now, as you can see from the summary that I'm giving you, each one of them has a little different aspect to them where you, they change in length and also how they would impact the Brightline station that's just north of Broward Boulevard. So you go from the first alternative where you're looking at about a mile and a tenth in project length with the approaches to then up to three and a half miles with the tunnel. So each of them has different lengths, which increases com the, you know, how complex the issues are and how we're gonna look at it and ultimately what it impacts, which can then have a big impact on how the costs are. So we started our prospect or our prospect, our process, with going to the owner and the operator that's currently on the system now, Brightline and FEC. So we learned from Brightline very quickly, and again, part of this process was always ensuring that your staff was involved. They actually helped us set up the meetings as well as the city of Fort Lauderdale, and they attended the meetings as well. Everything was recorded and sent back to them to see if we made sure that we heard them correctly and they responded as such. Now, Brightline was interesting because they had actually said that they looked at four different criteria and how they looked at the four alternatives. So when they see preference, they see it as a business. They look at it as where are we gonna spend our time and our money? That's what we find the most interesting. They had spent the most time on alternative two, primarily because it had achieved three of their main four criteria that they were looking at, not disrupting marine traffic, the least disruption to their operations and then financial feasibility. FEC had a different tact. They weren't interested in any of the alternatives as it related to freight because it didn't meet their 1%, it exceeded 1% grade that they said wouldn't work for them. The real tidbit that came out of the conversation with them though was letting us know that there is a, and I, we quoted astronomical amount of utilities that are under the right of way and under the river that they said, we don't even know all the things that are underneath there, but we know it's a lot. And you guys need to be prepared for understanding that that can absolutely impact how you look at the costs. So these are the costs. I know this is the big drum roll. This was really the basis of what we were looking for was to get an, an idea of how close are the, the cost estimates. And as Kevin said, this has been studied a lot. There were many different cost estimates that were done for all four of the alternatives. What you're looking at here is year of expenditure, what we do assume uh, the time frame would look like for that. Um, you'll see that the alternative four is about three billion. The blue is the capital costs. The orange is the operational costs as well as the cyclical capital that would be required for it. So that really changes the scope of a lot of what we look at because it's not just the cost of building it, but how do you maintain it? And a tunnel can add a lot of different complexities when you look at everything from ventilation, when you look at needing to do waterproofing, uh, actually everything, uh, oh gosh, let's see, I've got the list here. Life, fire, waterproofing, inspection, lighting, drainage, elevators. There's a lot related to that. So when you see that number, it's an important number, but the operation and maintenance side of it is about 176 million dollars over that 50-year lifespan so the largest portion of it 81 percent of it is actually all the replacements that you have to do that you don't that you don't do on a bridge um, the other breakdown for operation and maintenance it's about a half a half so when you look at the orange number for the bridges you're really seeing about half of that typically for the operation and maintenance and then the other half for the sickle capital that you'll have to replace the um, the rails and, and items like that, check your concrete and things like that. So, so ultimately that's how it ran down. For the most part, they were within line with FDOT. 
Um, one of the things that I thought you would find interesting, though, that we uh, looked at was the city of Fort Lauderdale gave us the study that they had done independently from Lochner looking at the tunnel specifically. They said roughly about 1.8 million billion, sorry, billion, 1.8 billion B, uh, was about in line with what they would expect with the cost estimate at that. The interesting thing, though, in combination with the FEC saying that there's a lot of uh, utilities that would need to be looked at, they had also recommended that there needed to be some kind of understanding that there needed to be a contingency. So we were about in line with what FDOT uh, had also came up with, with about 1.8, but we added a 40% contingency related to that. Now, the other thing that I want to add that I think is important is to give you guys a, a buyer beware. Um, I have a report from FTA. They uh, go to Congress. They report regularly on the uh, capital investment grants. So that's the program that you're currently in on the South. And they give uh, us a understanding of how much estimates were and then what the total cost was. So this was done in 2020. So they were looking at projects that were completed roughly around 2000 to 2015. I pulled out five, there were 45 projects, five of them were for commuter rail. Of what they had predicted at this stage, they were off by 50%. So when the actual cost of the project came in, it was 50% higher on average than any of the others for commuter rail. So this becomes very important because time is money in this case, and as you're all aware, inflation has been off the hook. Structural concrete has gone up 74%. Just from the last, uh, really three years from 2020, it's gone up 130%. Structural steel has also gone up, and we don't see an end of that in sight. In fact, we're a little concerned because with the infrastructure bill, one of the unfortunate indirect impacts of it is there's going to be a lot more construction and a lot more demand for these materials and not necessarily more supply. So we would expect them to continue to go up from there. So how could you fund it? The greater the complexity the, uh, and the greater the cost, the more likely then and the more difficult it is to fund it. So you'll see as you go along with this uh, graphic that more and more of these grant opportunities to fund it through federal process start to fall off of it because of its complex complexity and how much money it costs. Now, the other thing too, I did a back of the envelope of all of the programs very quickly. Um, everything from CIG, those that enter into project development, as well as uh, the mega grants, um, and as well as um, oh, the other one that I looked at was uh, Rise. Sorry, I was thinking Tiger. It's gone through many names. Uh, but you have about a one in 10 chance of all the applicants that are deemed eligible every year of getting a selection. So it is a very competitive process. So you have to be aware of that, that and it's not a lottery, but it definitely means that you've got to have a really good application together to get that funding. So if you go down that, that area and you want to look at for federal funding, that trips NEPA. Now, one of the most important things about this process, though, is it's really not the beginning. This is the opportunity for the community, for yourselves to really engage in understanding because this process quantifies what the impacts are for those alternatives. So you'll look at things like a no-build. You'll look at operational analysis. You'll get more detail, uh, a no-build. What happens if you build nothing? What does that look like? Yep. So, and then that will also help refine your purpose and need because often a, a, a need isn't just we don't have commuter rail. There are many other needs that are related to it. Um, so that will be that process that will also then refine the funding program. So you really start to get in line with exactly how you start filling out those federal forms to understand everything from cost effectiveness and how strong your grant application can be.
So with that, I want to always give a summary because again, the intent of this was to inform you. That's how we looked at this. We looked at every uh, opportunity that we did to understand what the costs were, uh, going through as many models and as data as we could. This is a summary of how that, that funds out for capital cost, for operation maintenance, funding opportunities, what are the perspectives of the owner of the asset, FEC, as well as those that have the, the rights to actually operate on the system itself, Brightline. I also added here a project delivery timeline. This is an estimate, and this is your best case scenario starting now. So even if you made a decision now, this is the best case scenario that you could use to deliver that, that project. So when you go back to those costs, that was based off of, of this. So you're still looking at roughly 10 years before you could get something on the highest end, eight years at the other. And again, that's your best case scenario. Because particularly if you trip into the federal, you'll be looking at NEPA. Uh, you've got two years if you are an uh, environmental assessment or an environmental impact statement that's required. So you're gonna be looking probably longer down the road for that. I like to give it illustratively. You'll see with the complexities of it, how it all starts to couple on top together. So when you look at costs, right-of-way impacts, environmental, social, you start to see that the greater the complexity, the greater the time it is to actually deliver it. And just as I mentioned before, today more than ever, time is money. These costs are going up astronomically. And with that, I'll take any questions related to our scope. That's very gracious of you, Mayor. Uh, all of us commissioners have, um, you know, some some level of uh, familiarity with uh, what we're talking about, and I mean, it's been something that's been uh, reviewed at the uh, MPO level, you know, for I don't know the nine years I've been on the MPO. It's been uh, reviewed by the SFRTA. Uh, you know, and I know, Beam, you've been involved in some of these, you know, studies and, and outcomes. Um, the, uh, the former uh, uh, District 4 Secretary, you know, Jerry O'Reilly, had, uh, you know, discussed some of the uh, uh, challenges, um, you know, that were, uh, we, were, we were being confronted with. And uh, one of the things that, um, you know, I found interesting is uh, there was a ridership study that showed that uh, we would have, you know, like maybe a fair, perhaps average amount of ridership, you know, with this commuter rail. And this is on the eastern link. We're not talking about, you know, all the challenges we have with uh, with tri-rail on the west. I mean, we would have, you know, uh, uh, greater ridership. But when you start talking about getting the federal money, you know, that ridership study along with the environmental study are, are the big keys and then the funding. So, uh, in my opinion, the um, the tunnel is way out. I mean, it was uh, estimated years ago. I was hearing it being estimated at just about this this first number of one point eight billion dollars. And you know, it's interesting that you throw in the forty percent contingency, um, you know, because of the, uh, the the projects that you used as an example that they were on average fifty percent higher than what they had been, you know, estimated at the time that you, you know, initiated the project. Now, does that apply also for the uh, the bridges, or was that 40% contingency, uh, you know, solely with the tunnel because of its complexity? 
Yeah, so we applied that to the tunnel. We did do a contingency for the bridges, uh, particularly because there was some real concern about how much structural concrete had gone up. It just wasn't at the same level that we had for the tunnel because what was really a challenge, and there were two things that were backing up that suggestion. As I had mentioned, the city of Fort Lauderdale had done an independent study. Lochner had completed that. They had stated that they thought it should be in the upper range of about $2.6 billion with the contingency. When we looked at it relative to all the other projects, we actually bumped that up to 40, particularly because the data had shown from FTA that it could be up near 50. All right. So when you start off with the uh, with the 25-foot bridge, uh, you're at like $300 million. Does that include some level of contingency also? It does. Uh, it's just much more minor. So we're looking at usually anywhere between 3 to 5%. Um, but as I said, as time goes on and it gets delayed, it could be more than that in and of itself. Because of all of those that I looked at for 45 projects, even those that are not commuter rail, it was somewhere in the range of almost 65%. They were off. They were underestimated. Right. But we would expect that at this point in the project. All right. So, um, you know, we, we spent months, perhaps, you know, a couple of years trying to see if we could come to some consensus on a uh, locally preferred alternative. And, uh, you know, in my estimation, and perhaps Commissioner McKenzie, you could comment on this, it seemed to me that, you know, the biggest pushback we were getting was from the city of Fort Lauderdale. And I don't mean all of the commissioners, but, you know, a strong enough contingency that it kept holding it up with this pie in the sky, you know, um, belief that you could build this tunnel for about a billion dollars. I mean, several years ago, it was estimated that it was going to be like $2 billion. And now, you know, I'm hearing $3 billion, which I think is far more, more accurate. So, number one, you will not be able to get federal infrastructure funding for a $3 billion tunnel when, you know, the federal government has hundreds of projects all around the nation. And it's like, you know, what are we going to fund? I mean, we can... We could do commuter rail and, you know, pay 50% of the capital cost for a $300 million, 25-foot bridge. Or, you know, we can, you know, go through this long process and spend years and years, you know, hoping to get a tunnel. So I don't see the tunnel as a likely alternative. And hopefully something will happen and the Fort Lauderdale City Commission will decide by majority vote to go with the tunnel. If we can do that, you know, we can really, you know, make, uh, you know, just a, a big, big change in, uh, you know, our transportation system. It's something that we can manage, you know, with our uh, penny surf tax money, you know, going forward for like the next 25 years. And we're in a good posture, but uh, we're not going to get the capital funding. Uh, the federal government, the federal rail administration is, is not going to give it. So I'd like to hear, you know, if there's a consensus in what, you know, everybody else says, because I don't think we have to go around this, you know, for hours, because most of you are very familiar with this. And, uh, you know, to me, I want to get it done. And, you know, you also have, you know, you, you got the, uh, the bridge on Third uh, uh, Avenue, you got the bridge on Andrews, you got the bridge on Seventh Avenue. So what's with this 25 foot span? It's just one more bridge that you have to navigate. And 90% of the boat traffic can get under the 25-foot bridge to begin with. So, you know, the uh, the largest yachts, you know, and the big sailboats, they've, they've got to wait for uh, for openings. And I don't think that that's a uh, unreasonable request there on the river. So, you know, I'll with that, I'll demur to the rest of you. But 
Um, my my uh, very clear recommendation is to go with the 25-foot bridge. Did you want me to answer your question? I concur with everything you said. The issue is, and what's being put out there more so from the city of Fort Lauderdale, is that a bridge is going to divide a community. I represent both of those communities on the east and west side of those tracks. Bridges have never divided communities. Tracks have never divided communities. People and economics have divided communities. But that's what they're throwing out there to make it happen. So if nothing else today, I agree with everything you said, we just got to come out here with a clear, concise uh, decision on what we want to do. And, and we got to communicate on your, on your side that this doesn't divide us. I mean, you clearly can walk under a bridge and you look at all the illustrations. They're beautiful um, walking paths under those uh, bridges. So I think we just got to make sure we keep that forward. So I concur with everything you said. Okay. I'm going to be very brief. I concur with what Commissioner Ryan says. It's, it's enough. I mean, I, I'm looking at this. $3 million is never going to make it, right? I mean, there's no... <clears throat> well, and something to consider, because um, MTA actually just released their financials on Wednesday. So it's the New York uh, Transit System. And they had had a project that they had reported uh, to their commission in February that was $2 billion. It was now $3 billion as of last Wednesday. Okay. We're seeing this actually all over the country all that the prices country. are rising at astronomical levels. And I, I, you know, I, I mean, I think we just move need to move ahead so that we can complete this and i i just think we should go with the 25-foot bridge and as commissioner ryan said i mean 10 percent of the boats can wait until the bridge goes up i mean we're talking about millions of pe people that need this commuter rail and need this this bridge to be there to, to make this effectual so let's do it yeah i just want to clarify something that commissioner ryan said you said hopefully the city will go with it and get a majority decision for i thought i heard you say tunnel but LPA, so he was talking about three bridges and the tunnel. So there's four choices, and and you know the uh, State Department of Transportation is saying what is the community's consensus on a locally preferred alternative. And, and you, you were saying, saying the you said tunnel. You, you, you had said tunnel. Yes. You meant bridge. You meant bridge versus tunnel. You had yeah, said yeah, tunnel. There's three bridges and one tunnel. Yes, Kevin, Kevin, he meant bridge, okay? And I concur a bridge. No, I'm saying he asked me, so I concur with his bridge, <laughs> not tunnel. <laughs> I'm going to be very brief also. This is getting to, to the point where it's becoming a little bit ridiculous, and I use that as a legal term. They came, the only reason that we're here again at this meeting is because they came six, eight months ago, and Mayor Trentalis, who I have a lot of respect for, I appreciate what he's doing, would not get off the idea of having a tunnel there. And they said, well, we can do it cheaper than everybody's telling you that we can do it. So we said, we're going to put these dollars in. We're going to do this joint study. You're going to pick the person. They're going to pick the person. We're going to have a scope of work. We're going to pay upwards of over a million dollars, which we, you know, maybe whatever it is they're paying some we're paying some and when this comes out that's basically going to be the decision and now we're getting the goalpost moved again because they don't want to deal with that same decision we don't have the money in this country 
to spend billions of dollars to build a tunnel. We, you know, I know we have to borrow it from China because we're $35 trillion in debt, but let's put that aside for a second. They're not going to build a tunnel in South Florida right now. I turn the news on in New York and there's water pouring into the subway system they have. I get it. I know what Dean's trying to say. It's never going to happen. So my my friends at the um, at FDOT and at the MPO tell us that we need to come together with a kind of like Greg Stewart's always told me, like a joint thing of what the local preferred alternative is. And the one thing that I'm happy about working with the nine people that I work with up here, we don't agree with everything all the time, but it's nine rational actors. And these nine rational actors, I don't think there's anybody, even Bogan. I mean, if anybody, if anybody up here, if anybody up on this nine thinks, if anybody's up here on this nine thinks that they're going to build a tunnel under this, they should say that I want a tunnel, I'll vote for a tunnel, because none of us are going to be here, but I would hate to be here on the off chance they started building a tunnel under Fort Lauderdale. When I went to L.A. to look at the tunnel they were building, first of all, it was way more than 10 years. This was like a 20-year project. The port project for the deepening and widening they haven't started yet with all their NIPA things. We're on year 26, and there's been nothing done yet. So, And when they did the L.A., when they're doing the, I forget what they call it, the Crosstown thing, when they went under the ground there, they had no clue what was there. There was like a music thing on top and it was moving around their opera house and anything that you can think of that would go wrong went wrong and that's what will happen here. We need to do either alternative one or maybe alternative two if there was that kind of outcry for it, but we need to get across this river. The mayors and the cities to the north are making plans on this and they're getting ticked off on this because there's no reason that the train should just stop in um, south of the river and when we talk about everything that we talk about up here this will help more for affordable housing than all of the dollars we're throwing into affordable housing i'm sorry that i had to say that vice mayor but this will help more on affordable housing by giving people a cheaper place to live and be able to commute off of these trains we all know we've had affordable housing issues and we've had firefighters that have said, I'm going to live in Stewart. They figured this out. They're living cheaper. They're coming down here. Well, just think if they could do that and take a commuter rail down to do it. Let's do this already. Let's put this on the agenda. Let's us vote for a local preferred alternative. I know it's going to be close to 9-0 on, on some form of a bridge over there. Let's send this to Fort Lauderdale and let the people in Fort Lauderdale, let them see their elected officials go on record. What do they really want? Are they really voting to dig up under the city of Fort Lauderdale? I highly doubt it. <clears throat> Thank you. Unfortunately, I have a series of questions. The um, uh, first, by the way, I'm, I'm happy to consider Bridge 1, but I had been leaning Bridge 2 because I thought of the marine industry, but I'll get to that in a moment. Um, first, I remember at a uh, one of our last workshops on this, I was the one that had asked and said, let's come up with something where the county will pay half the city will pay half for a study. Both would have to agree on who was chosen so that there couldn't be anything later that saying, well, we don't like your study and we don't like. So, Kevin, um, I think I know the answer, but, you know, the city has been saying that 
it wasn't really, they didn't really help choose or they didn't have half of the choosing in the consultant. Can you answer whether that's accurate or not? Well, I would say that's inaccurate. The city and the county work closely together. We came up with the scope of services. We actually went through the city of Fort Lauderdale's contract with the MPO to to utilize their, the MPO's consultants. The MPO uh, ran the solicitation with, with their consultants. The city and the county participated in that selection process. The city and the county, and, and I'm talking staff, um, you know, help negotiate that, that agreement, you know, because there was some scope revisions at, at that at that time to make sure we stay within the the 500,000 combined price limit. And um, did the mayor or commission ever say, all right, we're going with uh, or the city manager ever ever agree? Yes, we're going with White House. Well, they, they, they voted. Uh, they okay. approved the ILA and attached the ILA was the scope of services. It did not spe specify the White House group in that in that action, but the mayor and city manager met with White House group before the White House group kicked off their their study. Yeah, because you know, can you can you just come forward to put on the record because I think you want to something to say about this. Okay. Hello, Amanda yourself, Kristen, um, Broward MPO Transit Manager. Uh, yes, uh, there were three parties on the selection committee, uh, myself, Vince Reddy, and Ben Rogers from the city of Fort Lauderdale. Um, we each independently uh, reviewed the, um, the proposal from White House Group. We each voted independently. We had a technical review committee that was recorded and available for anybody to see. Um, there was no uh, indication that the, that the two, the county and the city of Fort Lauderdale, were not equal parties in the selection of White House Group. They both said yes. Thank you, man. They did. Thank Great. you. Okay. That was my first. I'm sorry. I'd just like to contribute one element because uh, ultimately in the project management of this, and, and again, because I wanted, I started with the idea of a joint, Kevin did, but I also want you to know that throughout the entire process uh, that we went through, so every one of the technical memorandum actually, uh, it references those interlocal agreements. But I also think what's important to know is that every Monday, from the duration of this project, both co-managers were provided an email outlining everything that we've done and where every deliverable was. We met bi-weekly. Every time the co-project managers were there, they brought their staff involved. So there was a collaboration throughout the entire effort. Okay. Next question. Um, the uh, It's been alleged to me that the reason this is so expensive is it has to go deeper and that you can build a tunnel much less deep with current technology or something like that. Comment? Matt? Yeah, so um, so in trying to do our due diligence, that was something that, because um, we knew that there was a publication that was done by the city that had referenced three uh, individuals. I'd asked to see if there was any actual estimates related to that, so many backup. Um, it was reported back to me that there was no backup for those particular uh, areas. So what the team did is they went across the nation and basically looked at all the, the different opportunities relative to tunneling, made sure that they modeled through it, and made sure that it was within that line. Okay. Kevin, did you want to add anything? Yeah, and I also believe that the Lochner Group, that $1.8 uh, billion figure 
uh, plus a 30% contingency was based on a different methodology than FDOT had put in there to get to that lower price. Okay. So I think there was alternative methodologies to do that. Do you believe, having spoken with the other partners, uh, Brightline, FEC, uh, I'll leave out the city for a moment, although I guess we have to include them, Marine Industry Association, if we're looking at bridge one, the low level versus the mid-level, um, is there a strong preference as part of this from our part, from people we have to work things out with, Brightline FEC, the marine industry and the city, between the low level and the mid-level bridge? So just per the scope, the only ones that we talked to were Brightline and FEC. Now, we did talk with, with Phil at FDOT to get their perspective. But from the Brightline perspective, and again, I put it in, how does the business look at it? And time is money is where they think was meeting their four criteria. So ultimately, the one that disrupted traffic, marine traffic the most, their operations and financially feasible. Alternative two was the one that they had spent the most time on. Now, that doesn't necessarily say that's the one that they would go forever, but if time is money, that's where they put their, their money. Any other stakeholder, we did not, uh, that wasn't part of our scope. Kevin, did you speak with the Marine Industry Association yeah, in, in, also about one versus two? In prior communications with, with the Marine Industry, they were not in favor of, of option one, the 25-foot, uh, but they did say that there was a 40-foot a option that's not on here that would that would be where they would be at, um, you know, on the on the low side. So they would. <coughs> excuse me. That was the marine industry. Okay. So. And my last, almost last question is: um, I've been told that the city of Fort Lauderdale it believes that they can get this done on their own without with their paying for all of it and the county not having to pay for any of it. If, the, I mean, candidly, I would be leaning based on everything I've heard towards the compromise 40-foot bridge um, based on what you've just said, which would be between the one and the two. However, if the city of Fort Lauderdale wants to do a tunnel and they can get it done on their own without the county having to pay anything for it and we get appropriate sign-offs I'm all in favor of letting them pay for everything I don't think it will work but if no 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 that's not what they said I mean if they can pay for all of it God bless them let them do it and we'll save the money although I don't think that's realistic um, and I would like mr. mayor in closing for us to add option five which would be the 40-foot bridge, if that's something that the marine industry can live with and would be lower and cheaper to build than the others. So it, uh, before I start, what's the difference between the 25-foot bridge and 40? 15 feet. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I, I deserve it. <laughs> I deserve it. What's the difference in cost between the fifteen, be, between the twenty-five foot bridge and the forty-foot bridge? Not with respect to his smart-ass comment, please. <laughs> we don't we don't have that alt alternative. That was not one of the four alternatives. That was something that okay. we are. I was just curious. We, we are, uh, excuse me, I got the floor here. Between the, the fifty, between the twenty-five and the higher one. Okay, listen. Okay, yeah. I. 
With respect to Commissioner Ryan, Commissioner Ridge, Commissioner Udeen, I agree with them. I want to get this thing going. I don't know why it's, we get on an agenda and let's get this thing moving. Enough <clears throat> talking about the tunnel. It's a ridiculous cost. And let's move it forward. That's all I have to say. Thank you, Com uh, Commissioner Furr. I Thank should you. probably go off first, because that's okay, because I got some more information. But go ahead. Go ahead. I'll wait to the end. Go ahead. <laughs> that, that ain't happening. I'll never say that. Um, you said you that's said not I, I ever. said that you needed to get that trip to the Netherlands now. I know. The um, the methodologies to get to the numbers. Um, these are in you. You found your methodology was independent of where how F dot got to theirs. Uh, that is correct, and I think that's one of the most important aspects of this. And again, we're a planning firm, so okay. we don't do engineering. There's no conflict of interest. I know you just had your workshop re relative okay. to that. But yeah, we followed all the standards required, and it was completely independent. But we did work with the city as well as your staff as we developed them and gave them the uh, the drafts to review and comment on. Okay, because I think that's important. Because what you, I mean, after I did a lot of work previously, and I think what I think what was we were looking for was either confirmation of what their of their work or invalidation one of the two and and yours seems to fall in line obviously as years gone by it's more expensive um, so given that I do think that the number is somewhere between 25 and 40 feet I think I mean th I think that's where um, this is gonna should fall I do think also that if Fort Lauderdale is going to build a bridge there, it does need to be a, a good-looking bridge there. It does. And, and it, it can't just be a function. I don't think you're asking for a functional bridge, just a functional bridge. And I think that's where you're looking at, you know, because this is going to line the, the landscape. I mean, it's going to go right where if we put a government center there, it's going to go right in front of it. It's got, there's a lot of things about it that we need to be taking into consideration. Um, the uh, the last thing is the time frame is just way way too long as far as I'm concerned, and I know that's because, and I and let me just confirm this that is because you're being dependent upon federal grants, correct? Yeah, uh, anytime that you're tying it to federal money, it can increase the time frame, particularly even on the uh, procurement. So it's time and cost just just to go through their procurement process. Okay. When and you're looking at NEPA, it can be up to two years. Okay, and I'm just going to throw this out there without getting into too much. If you didn't go through federal grants, that time frame can be different. Correct, it can be different. But and, you don't know what you're way, dealing with yet, but it can be different. Right. Yep. Okay, I, I, that's where I'm, I'm going to land on this bridge. Somehow, because <laughs> um, the, the maintenance costs on that on that tunnel was way up there. I mean, that's what that's what of all the stuff that of all the information I got from you on this, that was the the most telling. Because I actually thought it would be less. I don't know why I thought it'd be less, but I thought it would be less. Um, but it's you what you're and I guess I, I didn't I never saw F dots and and. Phil, did you all do an, uh, an Phil, estimate? Phil's here. He can ask that, yeah. answer that question. Did you ever you do want. an estimate on the on the uh, on the maintenance for bridges and the tunnel? You don't build. Because <laughs> I, now, I, I saw your cost of building it, but I never saw your maintenance and operation costs. I, Phil, Phil Schwab, in-house yep. consultant at FDOT, and and yes, we had done a very high-level estimate for operations and maintenance of the tunnel. Did you, did they? There was a lot not included in that estimate. 
Okay. Do you do you feel like the numbers that White House came came with confirm what FDOT was saying? Uh, from, on, on, from the cost what, standpoint, it looks reasonable. Uh, the operations and maintenance, I don't have as much information or knowledge of, so okay. uh, I, I would trust that they're Only going through a methodology that that anybody would support. Okay, because I think that because that is a part that will we, we'll eat up the surtax and money faster than anything we've got, and so and if we're going we're going to be able to to operate that this entire Primo plan, there's lots of other maintenance and operation costs that we have to take into consideration, and that this would just simply deplete a, a huge amount of that. So um, with that, I'm ready to go forward on this. Either somewhere between 25 and 40. That I think that's feet. where the feet. Okay. What do you say? That's what makes you inches? <laughs> no, no. I didn't uh, know what you were talking about. Oh, okay, okay. J just remember the twenty-five foot covers ninety percent of all um, right. a marine. And the forty and the forty foot 90%. is ninety-nine. Ninety-nine. Right, but I mean we've got ninety percent with twenty-five feet. Right, right. Okay. So with that, I'm I'm ready to move it <clears throat> forward as fast as we can. Sure. And look at all all the options. That allow us to move this much quicker than the than just the time frame that was shown, and we can talk about that stuff later. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner McKenzie, move the bridge forward. All right, <laughs> Commissioner Rogers, and I'm going to talk about some ease and so forth in a minute. What we've had, so but go ahead and finish up, Commissioner Rogers. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and colleagues. Listen to everything, and I could say ditto ditto to everyone, but I just wanted to say when you listed partners and you named the marine industry and Brightline and FEC. I did not hear us talk about the residential communities surrounding where we were going to be starting that incline, whatever it is, if we're considering the bridge, right? I just want us, and I'm glad in this conversation, I'm also hearing about maintenance, because when we built condos, we didn't tell folks that in 30 years or 50 years, you have to be maintaining maintaining that infrastructure. That was never something discussed. You have, I see Fort Lauderdale constantly building houses and high rise. And folks expected that they would still have the views that they're enjoying today. So I'm trusting that when we hit the road and we're talking, we are open and honest. Realtors should be accountable. We're in buyers beware. We are protecting those that are investing currently now before we decide on whether or not it's a 25-foot bridge or a 40 or a 50, whatever that number is, we need to make sure folks are aware of what we're proposing to do, not when you get started in this project. That's the only thing I want to put on the table in addition to everything that was said. I believe that we should move forward with our bridge, whether or not it's 25 or 50 or in between, that if that's the way we're going to go, when we look at the numbers and what we, are, we can afford, I see us affording bridges, not tunnels. And I'm not going to sit here and have us spend all of our um, surtax dollars on just one project. We have to talk to the 31 municipalities when we change the plan. When we voted, we know what we voted for. And yes, we can be flexible but not to the point where we're going to be sacrificing other projects that's on the table. Thank you very much. Devin or Todd, you want to go ahead? Yeah, if I may, because uh, you bring up a very good point uh, about the public. And one of the things I'd mentioned in the presentation, after the 2019 feasibility study, 
these alternatives were developed through public workshops. And as you go through the planning process, you'll continue any kind of PD&E is going to continue to engage the public throughout the process. And as you get more refinement, then it helps the designers in, improve those items. Yes, Commissioner. Commissioner Rogers, you finished? Okay. So um, just kind of bring everybody up to date, and it's on behalf of the, the commission, have desperately been trying to work with the city of Fort Lauderdale and with the MPO and with FDOT and et cetera to kind of bring this thing in, into a landing because you're right, time is money, and I say that all the time, but time is of the essence when it deals with federal money. You know, we are now in October of 23, and so in my opinion, you know, we have until November 24 because we do not know what's going to happen in the election cycle at the president's level and will this money continue to be there or not be there. So we can no longer afford to wait, as Senator Gell talked about, you know, we'll let the Fort RDL do this and that first, and if that doesn't work, and then we can come back and we can, you know, do a bridge or whatever. So, and obviously the marine industries has always kind of been the, the, in the, in the equation as well. So, uh, the city of Fort Lauderdale, their team, the county's team, including Mayor Trantellis and his team, and my, where the Mart team were there, the MPO, Todd was there, I think a time or two, and we came together and we had a few meetings, and we tried to talk about how we can build consensus. And these meetings were recorded, so I'm not breaking any confidentiality or anything of that nature. But it came out that uh, uh, Mayor Trentalis and their team and our team, everybody agreed that it would be behoove us to do a 25-foot bridge and do what they call cut and covers on Sunrise Boulevard and Broward Boulevard, starting with Broward, basically, and either going to Sunrise, Sistrong. We talked about other alternatives, but the main one was Broward and Sunrise. The cut and cover basically means that uh, if you're going east-west, you, you you kind of come under under an overpass kind of a situation where the train continues on, and it's it's very well designed. There are grants that are available to that, opportunities to do that. And so uh, Mayor Trentalis and myself, and we all agreed that's the path we need to go. And then as we leave these meetings, and again, they're recorded, and we're all saying we're in consensus here, we're moving forward in this, in this vision. And then somebody – and it just begins kind of unraveling, you know. F dot, you know, you hear F dot says this, you hear MPO says this, and you hear Fort Lauderdale does this, and Broward, and it just goes into just as this haywire of of a hurricane storm. But again, two times on the record, everybody agreed that's the way we wanted to go to. The marine industry said, "Okay, now a twenty-five foot bridge would not work." So I talked to Phil Barcel and said, "Okay, what would work?" He says, I'm going to bring to the commission meeting, I think he said to me, I'm paraphrasing, I'm going to bring an outline of a 13-foot boat whaler, Boston whaler. So we need 13 more feet more than 25. That's 38 feet. Okay? So 48, 40 foot would be perfect. You know, in his mind, that's what I got him saying. I think I took notes on that, that they would not be opposed to a 40 foot. Went back, we talked, and said, hey, can we get some visuals of what a 40 foot or 38 foot. I mean, let's, if you want, it's two feet of difference. That's what the marine industry said, you know, 25 to 38, we'll do that. So we were waiting on those visuals. In the meantime, we had other visuals as well 
on what the cut and covers would do. We can share those, by the way, Todd, if we want to. The commission sometime, Monica, we can do that because it's very impressive. So, again, we come out with this, as the Pope with the smoke signals, right? 25-foot cut and covers, we're all good, and then it goes haywire. There is no more time, folks. We, we have to react now. And a 38- or 40-foot bridge, like Commissioner McKenzie says, and even Commissioner Rogers said, well, we're concerned about where it's going to go. Well, you can do a lot of things with bridges. You can light them. You can have activities underneath them. You can do a lot of things in technology today, and obviously the ultimate cost is, is what it's going to be. I've heard you don't have to go 80 feet now. You can only go, you have to go 30 feet down earth. There's no more need to worry about having an elevator up. I've heard all these things. I've heard it costs 50000 a linear foot to do a tunnel. I've heard it all. But nobody puts it in writing. Nobody gives it to me or anybody in writing that this company in Germany will build this for 50000 a linear foot, which would only cost $900 million, right? So you keep asking. You keep asking the city of Florida. You keep asking these these experts. I get compassionate about it because I've been dealing with it, so please forgive me. But I, I've been dealing with it, and I keep asking, give me something in writing. Just, you know, it's great. You want to build a tunnel? Wonderful. It's going to cost several million dollars. That's wonderful. Give it to me in writing, and it never comes. So, again, time is of the essence. Time is money. We have to react now. Can we indeed, I'm asking staff, can we indeed move on our own? to a, quote, 40-foot bridge and start the process now. I can tell you that representing north of the river, I have all the mayors. They're like pit bulls right now. They're on leashes, okay? I'm ready to let them loose because we promised them, folks. We committed to them. And I agreed only to the south end if we get to the north end. City of Oakland Park is building their city hall. They're building affordable housing based around their station right now. They're not waiting. City of Pompano Beach is doing the same thing. City of Deerfield Beach is doing the same thing. We cannot let these people down. And we're not, we need the commitment from this commission to get over that river in the most efficient, cost-efficient way that we can do it in the most timely manner. So I'm not going to give that up because, I, again, I only agree to the south. I remember that, Commissioner Furr, if we get over to the north. So I need to look at legal. I'm looking at staff. How do we ultimately, can we do it by ourselves? Do we need an LPA that, with the city of Florida or do we not? What do we do to move this forward as soon as possible? Here, let, yes. me, let me just uh, suggest, it sounds like we have a consensus here. Why don't we go ahead and put this on the next regular agenda for the county commission and decide, I mean, whether you want to go I do, I do 25 or 40-foot bridge. And if it sounds like a 40-foot bridge, you know, would we be able to have some kind of, like, rough estimate about what the increase in the cost is from $300 million to, to what? You know, another $100 million or what? To go I want it, but I, I respect that, Commissioner Ryan, but I'm asking a question. I want to see what the process is now. I don't. We can discuss it. We can have it on the agenda, but I'm trying to get – the data and the information now, so when we go into our meeting, we understand what's going to happen. Got him here. And I'm not trying to fault you, Commissioner Ryan, but I know we've talked about, I've talked about the staff and even with legal. How do we get there and can we get there on our own or do we need or what do we need to do? And then we'll put it on the agenda. Okay, and I'm going to answer two questions in there and I'm also going to defer to the consultant over here who probably has more expertise in this area. 
Uh, it's, it's my understanding is the as the owner operator uh, of the rail line, the county is the one who determines uh, the a locally preferred alternative that then gets up then goes up to the MPO for uh, approval or, or, or disapproval. Okay. Um, to answer your other question, before going forward, you know the forty foot. Uh, has been looked at. I think there is some uh, evaluation I, I, that needs to be done, some additional information on costs, whether that would work, um, because you're coming into an incline and where the station is, we want to make sure that there's enough track room to get in there and whether it has to be cut, um, coupled with a cut and cover. So I do know on the MPO, they're uh, putting forth an item to have the White House group who did the grade separation, the cut and cover that you talked about, to have it to continue that work to do the bridge and show how it all would work. And I think that's on their next agenda, which is either this week or next week. Um, Amanda says it's on November 2nd's agenda. Okay. Yeah, and actually though, Amanda, is it the second or I actually think it made it to this agenda? Yeah, for the executive committee, yeah. To the executive yeah. committee. And just to confirm, uh, Kevin was absolutely correct. So is the project sponsor. The LPA comes from the commission. But one of the important distinctions that you'll get when you get your letter from FTA, if you go into project development, it will also ask not just for an LPA, but they'll ask that that LPA be in the fiscally constrained long-range plan that's adopted by the MPO. So Kevin's absolutely correct. That is the process. So you don't want it illustrative. You want it as fiscally constrained. The LRTP or MTP is being updated as we speak. So it could be incorporated within that. As Amanda and Kevin had mentioned, um, yes, we were asked to take a look at it and the visuals that you saw where you could really get a feel for what does this really look like for our community? How would it impact them? We will be looking at that 40, uh, 40 foot option because uh, when our engineers looked at that, and I know I'm going to have some questions for Phil as well from that group, um, but th they're rail engineers from Chicago. Um, this is what they do. When they looked at that, they saw ways that they could actually speed up the, uh, the construction. They did ask that of, of Brightline to make sure that they weren't interrupting operations. And so it's, it's called a, a hammerhead option is what they're looking at it, basically redoing the tracks a little bit to make sure that they could also get the grades right to make it happen. Because they're going to look at everything from the comfort of the passenger, because you don't want the grade too high coming down to a stop where then people are falling over. So there's a lot of different planning aspects to this Agreed. that we'd have to look at. If it gets approved by the board, um, I'm going to look to try to do a turnaround of 30 days is what I've asked the team to be able to 30 do. 30 days? 30 days from a notice to proceed. Um, I've got to work with them to make sure that we can, we can do that. When uh, we had talked about it earlier, trying to move it forward at the last board, the team said that they could do that, so I'll confirm that. But that's what we're going to be shooting for. 60 days is what we put in the contract, but I'm going to move that up just like we did, getting this done in five months instead of six. Okay, and also, when we talk about the bridge, we want to include the cut and covers that we talked about. I want to put those in. I'd like to have those Correct. in the item for the board's discussion and, and, and approval because that's part and parcel of what we originally agreed to, right? Because I think yep. that makes sense on everybody's part, even City Fort Lauderdale as well. That's correct, and right. it'll have all the quadrants so just, of the new river. I'm just looking for staff interlegal to see when, as soon as we can get it on the agenda, to make it make it feasible for us to move forward with it. I guess. And Commissioner Ryan's right. Whether it be a 25 or 40, maybe that's the that's the the options we have, A or B. But I don't want to put it on too soon, so we don't. We defeat our own purpose. I want it, when we do it, I want to do it right. Does that make sense? Okay. 
Yes. 100 percent. <laughs> okay. All right. Again, apologize for the compassion, but it's 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 just it's just been a, a roller coaster like no tomorrow. All right. Yes. Meeting adjourned. Hold on, Senator Geller. Mr. Mayor, uh, I have. One additional question. I agree with you on the probably the 38 or 40 foot bridge. I think that that sounds like it's the way to go. I am not necessarily as convinced on the cut and cover, and I'd like some discussion on that. What I this first I've heard of a cut and cover. So what I am concerned about is if that means that we're going to build, I guess it's a tunnel. Under it's not a tunnel. What, what I'm going to do, Senator, is as soon as possible, can can staff immediately get with each commissioner and go through that that uh, that video because I feel it'll it'll answer everything you have All right, right now. I promise you, it will. The only so, concern that I have on that, you've heard me say this about uh, rail down Broward. I don't want Broward Boulevard disrupted for ten years of construction. No, I so agree. That's, that's, I, I agree. that's my concern. Maybe it's not a, a real concern. I agree I've never with you. heard of this cut and covers. So yeah, but you'll you'll like be most impressed more. with it uh, once you see it. It's really it's really amazing. And the new technology they have today, as far as flooding, et cetera, is all there to prohibit it from happening. So, so, you understand my concern? Yes, sir. So the cut and cover concept comes because. The fr no matter what we do here, the freight trains are still running at grade no matter what. So this is a way Correct. to alleviate all that. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. So, again, let's staff as soon as possible. I know it was whoever we'll presented that. that, but let's get we'll with each that. commission on that, okay? All right, good thing. All right, anything else for the good of the order? Very good. Thank all right. you. All right, this means adjourned. All right. <laughs>